welcome to the Crazy Woman Podcast, where we discuss the challenges of leaving organized religion, in our case, evangelical fundamentalism. We share our past experiences growing up in the Christian church and talk about how we're now learning to navigate the emotional complexities of finding our true selves in our free lives. Hello, we are the Crazy Women. I'm Jamie. And I'm Kristen. And we're your hosts, and we love having you here. So this week's episode, we are doing something fun Mm -hmm. and kind of juicy. We're doing six reasons why we left religion, or in our case, the church, six reasons why we left the church. And we've got three reasons each, Mm -hmm. and we're going to kind of go back and forth, uh, um, just sort of, you know, paint the landscape here of why we're not in the Christian church anymore and why we don't really... Um, I'm going to say this for myself and I think it's true for you too, Kristen, Mm -hmm. but neither of us identify as Christians anymore. I know I certainly don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to kind of go into that. Is that true for you too, Kristen? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. At least not in the traditional sense. Yeah. (laughs) It depends on what you mean, but, um, yeah. Yeah. If someone asked me if I was a Christian, I would say no. I know what you mean. It's, it's. Even though we both still have faith and we both still have um, spirituality in our lives, saying that you are a Christian or that you belong to the Christian church immediately boxes you in. Right. And neither of us are comfortable with that. Yeah. So I don't use that title, and I think that's why you don't use that title either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're going to go here with our um, – yeah, just, just show you, just talk to you guys and to each other about the main reasons why – we're not part of organized religion anymore. Yeah. And just sort of sort of set the stage here for why we are why we are here. Right. Yeah. Kristen, I think you're gonna go first. Okay. All right. Well, I got started writing my notes and I was like, oh wow, I have a lot to say. So <laughs> so yeah, my first reason is parenting and raising my kids. Um, and that really as they started to grow, led me to really rethink a lot of the things I'd been taught about God. Um, And I started to see that in my kids, if I treated them or thought about them in the way that I was taught that God treated or thought about me, I would kind of be a shitty parent. (laughs) And Mm. I was seeing how, you know, we'd been taught to – raise our kids in a certain way and to discipline in a certain way and to view children in a certain way. Um, and that is all informed. Right. That's all informed by what we were told or what everyone else believed, what we believed about how God treats us because he's our father. So we do the same with our kids. Right. And so exactly. Many, yeah. So many of the things that, um, that we were doing with our kids and the way that we were raising them really went against my intuition, my mother, my mother's intuition. And that mother intuition is so strong. And the sad thing about this I was thinking about is that it's really easier to betray ourselves than it is to betray our kids. Like once you have kids, you realize I can't do that anymore. Like I could think about myself that way no problem because of all my programming and training. But then you see these beautiful light beings that are just like this gift and you see their soul and you see all this beauty in them. And you're like, I can't, 
look at them and be like, you're such a filthy worm and a piece of trash that your only value is from something external Uh, to you. You know what I mean? Right. And right. Exactly. And paint paint, for people who might not be familiar. Can you like give a general picture of what it's like, like the parenting that you and I were parented mm -hmm. by, like the general tenets of being parented in in conservative Christianity? Because everybody might not know. Yeah, so in our circles, it was a lot of um, the things are like children are manipulating you or believing like they they come they come inherently flawed. They're there to they're trying to trying to get away with whatever they can. They're trying to manipulate you. Right. It's your job to basically spank the sin out of them. <laughs> you have to be a faithful parent and <laughs> do like all the discipline in order to make them good. So that's like the fundamental thing Uh for me. So that was, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of things that broke connection. There was, you know, in addition to spanking, there's like not picking up your baby when they cry or not, um, just not being really, um, in tune with them, kind of holding them to rigid standards that don't really work for babies and kids. And a lot of these Mm -hmm. things I was recognizing these all break connection with my children. These things are not um, fostering. These are not healthy for them. And I would, you know, we're, we're so much indoctrination and so many things are told like this is, this is healthy for them and this is loving them. And so you kind of shut down your, what your body and what your soul is telling you. You're like, no, this is good for them. And this is good for me. Um, yeah, but it was, that's a really good way of putting that, like shut, shutting your soul down. Yeah. You do kind of have to. Yeah, you do. You really do. So I started seeing how that model of parenting was not fostering connection and, um, health in our relationship and in them, it was really breaking that connection. And as I learned more about psychology and starting to understand healthy relationship dynamics and understanding abuse, um, the more, this is, this is why I think a lot of Christians are so afraid of psychology and why they really condemn it is because Mm. it really shines Mm -hmm. a lot of light on a lot of things. Uh Um, that's why those things are very dangerous. They are so dangerous. (laughs) Um, so I, I started realizing as I started learning these things that the God that I'd been taught to believe in was actually like a narcissistic abuser. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. 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 And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And just, and just recognizing how much, uh, what, what we teach our kids or how we are with our children teaches them what love is because they know like what our connection with them is the first experience they have with love. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we are spanking them, hitting them, telling them that they're worthless, um, we're, we're setting them up for a lifetime of abusive relationships. Yeah, that's what we're being told what love is. I heard some child psychologists say, and this is not new, but it still just blew my mind when I read it. It said, um, as a parent, 
you can do whatever you want to your children, say whatever you want to your children. And then if you say afterwards, this is love, this is me loving you, they will learn to identify that as love, even if you just treat them like absolute shit and tell them that they are shit and mm-hmm. say, but I love you, mm-hmm. then they will think that that is love and that's what they will keep pursuing in their lives. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They don't have anything else to tell them otherwise. So I just started realizing that if this is this is really not the way I want to parent and this is not only unhealthy for my children but um also for my relationship with them and I and that was something that was so painful for me to see this damage that I was doing while trying mm-hmm. to be a good parent right like you're trying Aww. so hard and you realize I'm actually fucking this up even though I'm Can- doing the right things can you are you comfortable talking at all about um what it was like emotionally for you when you started to transition out of that? I'm trying just trying to remember because it's been such a slow, gradual shift. I remember one time I was um <laughs> I was in the bathroom giving my second daughter a spanking again because she was she got a lot of this in her day. Um and she was so angry with me and she was so mad and she was like why do you why do you spank me and i'm like because i you know this is i'm trying to help you know i don't remember i gave her some bullshit answer like you know and she looks at me and she goes well it doesn't work oh wow, <laughs> wow. and i remember just being like fuck she's right <laughs> genius like I want to high five her go back in time and high five her little self I know. I'm so I'm so grateful for her I mean that was sort of towards the end and actually that was like the beginning of the end where I was like why am I even doing this like this is she's totally right it's not working um and honestly too I feel like that is just credit to your parenting even before transitioning into a healthier mm. more loving style is because your daughter felt comfortable enough to say that to you That's true. I think there was enough positive things in the relationship. She's always felt very comfortable letting me know exactly what she <laughs> good for her. <laughs> I try to remind myself of that when I'm feeling bad for <laughs> or how I screwed her up in the past. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, it was just kind of a slow process. And eventually um, with some of the younger kids, it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it was such a relief actually, because there's such, it's no one, no parent like likes disciplining their child, wants to spank their right. child. It's not fun. Right. It, you really hate it, but you feel mm-hmm. like they're going to end up, you know, like killing people and in jail if you don't. Like that's what you're told. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people who didn't grow up the way that we did, I don't think they understand like the depth of the fear you have mm-hmm. if you skip punishment. Right. If there aren't consequences for, you know, quote unquote sin. The fear that that strikes in your heart, the fear that you have, if uh, sin or even perceived sin goes unpunished, like you're going, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. And then the parents are going to hell because they didn't, they're sinning by not, (laughs) by not punishing their child when their child was bad. Right. Right. And it all comes back to, yeah, that fear of like everybody is 
at their core is so bad and it's your right. job to make sure that you make them good or that you Ugh. it's so gross <laughs> I know. my stomach is in knots just listening to because it's like it's all flooding back oh. to me all those horrible feelings oh yeah um yeah and it's so interesting like if you think about how there's this crazy um paradox of christians saying that god is love you know mm-hmm. we always believe that you know god is love um but then we say but he, especially in the old testament like all these other things that we believe about god well then if god is love then those things must be love and we oh, go yeah. through all these crazy gymnastics to try to justify why these really horrible vindictive behaviors are love mhm and um and i i think that was one of the things that was always stressful to me in christianity was feeling like i had to have i had to kind of make excuses and find reasons for why all these things that seemed kind of obvious were not true do you mm-hmm. know you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah um but i really think <clears throat> like our hearts know what love is and what is not. And you, if you mm-hmm. have to explain why something that sounds really horrible is actually loving. Yeah. And I, there are so many things that um, so many people treated terribly in the name of love. Yeah. Um, you know, because I love you that I'm telling you that you're wrong and you're probably pretty yeah. dumb, you know, because I love yeah. you. I know what's best for your life. I've had people um, reach out to me and be like, well, I really love you. And so I want to tell you how much you're fucking it up. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but people say the most horrible and judgmental things to you in the name of yes. love. Exactly. And you're like, that doesn't, that's not actually lo- – I, I know that you think it is, but it's not actually – it's not yeah. actually loving. Oh. But, yeah, I remember have feeling like I had to tell people when I was, like, disapproving of their life choices. Mm-hmm. Do you know? remember that feeling of, like, oh, yeah. oh if I don't say something, I'm condoning it? Exactly. And I'm going to go to hell because I didn't judge you. I didn't think I was going to hell. I think that was just your family. Was that just my family? Okay, we have not gone to my family yet. It's a little bit crazy. I don't think I went that far, but it was like, you don't really love them. That was more what it was. It was like, you don't really Uh, love them if you're not willing to speak the truth to them. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, No matter how, like, insulting or, you know, condescending it was. Yeah. Oh, so condescending. Oh my gosh. Never the self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. It was just rampant. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was just realizing that, um, if, if I, if I'm not going to, um, parent my children this way, why would I believe God would parent me that way? Why would I believe that he's that kind of a parent? Mm-hmm. And that really, um, started a lot of thought process process for me like um I don't I don't want to believe that God is like that and I don't believe that and so that 
started unraveling all the things that I'd been taught and realized what had I actually been taught and what do I actually believe? And um, that just, yeah, that started a whole domino effect of just, you know, what I believe about God. Mm -hmm. And eventually realizing that I didn't want to believe all the things I'd been taught from the church. Right. Um, So, yeah. So then, yeah, number two for me was involvement in church leadership and seeing problems um, in that arena. So my partner at the time was uh, wanting to go into the ministry and Uh he was a deacon in several different churches and then on the vestry in an Anglican church. And um, we were involved in two separate instances, one where the church was dissolved. It's a small church that ended up kind of just folding and another time where there was a church split and both of which were very stressful, traumatic, difficult experiences. Um, the way that he was spoken to and treated in those situations. Uh Um, and just seeing how people were more, concerned about the concept of their church and their group than they were about the people, the individuals within it. Uh Yeah. And I'm sure that's not universally always necessarily true, um, in the, in evangelicalism, but I think it's a lot more common than we realize. Yeah. You and I have both been part of you know, several churches each. And I, I've found that to be the case across the board. Yeah. Yeah. And it that that elevation of the in- institution over the individual um, comes back to like our estimation of the individual, which which is which is very poor, right? Yeah. <laughs> in in oh, the church, yeah. it's like could not be lower. Yeah, it's like the whole is more important than the part. So you don't really mm-hmm. matter. What matters is this institution. What matters is this group. Um, which is you know that reminds me of this. That's the same thing with marriage. Like the institution is more important than the individuals. Yep. Um, that's a whole other topic for another time, yep. but. Um, that was a big problem for me. And after, especially after the, the church split that we were involved in, I wanted really nothing to do with the church. And I was like, if this is what church is, it's like a clique of people who are holding their group to be more important than the people in it. I'm just, I'm out. Like I'm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, was it just like a lack of regard for you and your partner's emotional well-being or just the disrespect or how, how did that come out? Yeah, there was just a lot of verb, I would say verbal abuse of just like, um, people were so angry and so upset that there were things happening in the church that they didn't agree with. And then there was a lot of just like backbiting, a lot of, um, just just treating people really poorly. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about all of it right now. I just remember like the that's probably the good. feeling of it was yeah. just so 
exhausting and stressful. Yeah. And it was like every day there was like new texts and emails and now this person's upset and now this person's, mm-hmm. you know, accusing this person of this and, it, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's just, it got so ugly. Yeah. 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 It is very clicky. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much like, these are the people that are in and these are the people that are out. And if you're oh, not man. in. I keep, you keep like, I, I, I can't believe how much <laughs> listening to you say this is pulling up memories for me. Like, oh. wow, I buried some of this mm. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and fun fact for anybody listening who may not know, I went to college with Kristen's ex-partner. It's one of the ways That's we got to right. know each other. You were yep. in his class. That's right. Yep. And my sisters were in your class too. Yep. And I know your sisters. And yeah. he lived with my college boyfriend. That was how I kind of got to be good pals with him. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know you had a college boyfriend. <laughs> you were allowed to have a boyfriend? I did. Well, no, I wasn't allowed to, but I did anyway. <laughs> Just a rebel all the way along, Jamie. Oh, it's the red hair. <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to tell me later who that is because I don't remember this at all. <laughs> Gossip. Hilarious. Okay, so the third reason was being in a church where we were allowed to ask questions. And this was really important, I think, for People coming out of really strict institutions where you're not allowed to question um, because any questioning is immediately perceived as a lack of faith or felt as a lack of faith or a lack Mm -hmm. of devotion. And so it keeps you stuck. And um, we had the the good fortune to have this priest in this Anglican church that we started going to after we left the church that I would now call a cult. Um, And he was just wonderful and he was so kind and he really encouraged us to ask questions. And for us, it was really necessary, I think, to have someone who was a safe who was a safe, you know, quote unquote authority figure Mm. who um, could grant us that freedom because we weren't Mm. ready to take it for ourselves, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah, he really questioned um, like the way we were taught to read the Bible um, and that it's one of those things that you you're told so many reasons and arguments for this one way, but they, you have to have so many reasons and arguments because it doesn't make sense really. Right. Exactly. You know? And so as soon as someone says, well, what about this? And you really start to think about it. All those arguments just like you realize they're just like smoke and mirrors and it's like, exactly. Oh yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he, he was really good about, you know, um, challenging the whole idea of biblical Christianity. And he's like, well, this person's idea of biblical Christianity is not this person's. Mm -hmm. Right. And so 
recognizing that like any interpretation of how we apply the Bible to our lives or even the idea that we have to apply the Bible, the Bible as like the ultimate authority in our lives is one person's interpretation. Right. Right. And so then you're realizing this, I thought I was, um, you know, leaning on the ultimate authority, but it's, it's not, it's just another person. It's just another Mm -hmm. source or another institution. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like there are so many different denominations within Christianity and they all think they have the correct interpretation. Exactly. Oh yeah. So like what kind of hubris is it that you think your denomination is like the right one (laughs) and Mm -hmm. everyone else is probably going to hell because they got it wrong. (laughs) Exactly. That was, that was mind blowing for me when I realized that everybody in other factions and even in fully in other religions believed they were as right in their hearts as I believed I was right in my heart. Everybody was just walking around thinking that they were absolutely right. It's like, oh, that's so mind-blowing to me. We're all here thinking we are the ones with the whole truth. Yes. It's that's really dangerous mindset. Yeah, exactly. It's oh yeah, and it, it it's so polarizing because it immediately puts you at odds with everyone other than your clique. Exactly. Your very tiny corner of the world. Right. And it's like, you have the corner of truth. Everyone else is screwing it up and getting it wrong. And mm-hmm. that that means you can't really interact with the world because oh, yeah. it's all it's they're all screwing it up and they're all wrong. So it's like you have to keep everybody at arm's length. Mm-hmm. You can't actually have friendships outside of the church. Right. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And and that's another thing that like come to realize how much so many of my friendships were not actually true friendships. It was just like we had church in common. <laughs> and like once I left the church, nobody cared at all. Like, wow. Uh, you know oh, what I mean? Heartbreaking. And you realize like, I thought, I thought we were friends, but now, because I'm not in your group anymore, you don't want anything to do with me. And I realized like, yeah. oh, okay. So like starting to form friendships outside of that and apart from like belief has been so refreshing to be like, mm-hmm. we can just be friends because we enjoy being together, not because we both believe the same thing. Uh-huh. Exactly. Just because it feels good, not because it's logical or checks all the certain boxes. So right. you're not going to accidentally contaminate each other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> but that would that's a fear and i feel like it's it's worth pointing out that i'm i'm sure this is true for you too Kristen. It just the people who you know ostracize you as more or less an outcast no not more or less absolutely an outcast mm-hmm. when you are no longer part of a church they're not doing it to be cruel in a lot of ways i I believe, right. I don't think they're conscious of what they're doing. They're doing it out of the same fear that is keeping them mm-hmm. as part of this institution. It's fear-driven. It's all just so fear-driven, which kind of goes back to your first, the first, uh, your first reason, Kristen, is parenting. Mm-hmm. It's just separating that love instinct and just dehumanizing all your human interactions. Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing is like having been in that 
culture for so long and seeing, you know, I've, I've been where they are. So it's like, I can see why they're doing that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I mm-hmm. totally understand because I believed and did all those same things. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's not like a judgmental, like, I, I get it. Like, that's just the way that you're, you think you're, you're trying to be good, right? So you're trying yeah, to do the exactly. good thing and you think that's what it is and it feels yeah. shitty inside and you kind of know that it's not good, but you're trying so hard to do the good thing mm-hmm. that you can't listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know. How- it's all, it's all very sad. It's really all very sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's really It's true. such a separation from well, this goes to the heart of so many things about all of this, about this big old ball of wax. It's a, such a separation from your heart. It is mm-hmm. such a separation from your heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and the sad thing is that you don't even recognize that at all. Like, I would never have said that. I never would have no. thought that at all. And then when you mm-hmm. finally recognize how separated you've been and how disconnected you are, it's kind of like a shock at Mm -hmm. first, you know, (laughs) like, Oh, and then as you really start to understand more and, and change the way that you're, you're thinking and believing, it's like somebody turned the lights on. And it's like, for me, it's been the most liberating, exciting journey um, because so many of those things that keep you so small, um, when you finally decide to really let them go, it's like your life opens up. Yeah, it does. And people can, people flood in and you can let them in mm-hmm. fearlessly. Yes. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's that. so much more beautiful <clears throat> and it feels so much better. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's, and there's so many things that I think, we tend to focus on, you know, the things that are difficult about leaving the church or things that are um, hard about it. But the truth of it is that it's the most, it just feels like the most amazing gift because mm-hmm. all these things that were stressful and causing you so much disconnection and grief and depression in your life and you didn't even recognize it are now, you can just say goodbye to them and everything gets so much better and it's so much easier and so much more peaceful and so much more joyful. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you really can't see that. No, no, you can't. And that's why both of us, nothing but sympathy on on, Mm -hmm. honestly for for people who are still, who still choose to be that way. And Mm -hmm. I imagine that there will be people listening to this who are still there and, don't they truly can't understand because I wouldn't have understood Mm -hmm. what we were talking about yeah back in the day yeah yeah exactly thought we were crazy and dangerous (laughs) we are but for other reasons (laughs) (laughs) so those were Kristen's three reasons why she left the church and next episode will be my three reasons and there we will do episodes soon coming up maybe after these little six reasons, these three reasons why each episodes, um, just going into a little bit more about our history, giving you guys a more complete picture of each, how we came to be where we are and yeah, what our lives were like growing up. Um, yeah. cause these are, these are all so 
it's really hard to separate these three reasons and just put them in a vacuum right. separate from our from our backgrounds, our childhoods, and then yeah, the sort of untangling. And we had very different, very different experiences when it came to separating ourselves. And when the mm-hmm. light came on, I think yours was more of a joyful and opening. And mine was like a big ball of fear mm-hmm. <laughs> when my light came on. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that will be interesting to compare and contrast uh, uh, in in a more detailed way than we've already done just catching up personally. Yeah. And what that was like for us when our, our respective lights went on and what that um, untangling process started to look like. Because I don't know, I feel like we're both, we're coming at it from we we went through very very different initial experiences and i think it might be fun i don't know if that's the right word interesting <laughs> for <laughs> people to see hey you can go either way <laughs> yeah well everyone yeah we all have our own path and our own you know set of assumptions beforehand and and how we react to that shift is going to be different for every person. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And our childhoods, I think, played hugely into why we reacted differently. Yes. Yes. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Appreciate you all. Hope you're having a super fun day. Take care. All right. Bye, guys.